My name is Carol, and I am going to start off. I am going to start off crying right to begin with, because I am absolutely overwhelmed, and at everybody that's here, and <clears throat> I made some notes just in case. Um, my journey in this program started um, September 1989. And it didn't really start then. It didn't start until quite a few years later, and you'll hear about that later. Um, and I was an absolute true Al-Anon when I came into this program because I didn't <coughs> come into this program because I was in pain, I didn't come into this program because somebody's drinking was giving me a problem. I came into this program because my daughter-in-law had come to me and um, <coughs> told me that my son was blackout drinking. And I had absolutely no idea. I mean, she didn't call it blackout drinking, but he would... He didn't remember things that had happened the night before. And she wondered, you know, what she could do. And, you know, she was looking for, um, you know, help from me. And I had absolutely no idea what to tell her. Um, I knew a neighbor of mine. Um, her husband was in Elena, I mean, was in AA. And so... I went and talked to her because I thought, you know, she might have an answer for me to, to you know, give my daughter-in-law. And I will forever be grateful to her because what she told me was that she didn't know exactly what to tell, you know, my daughter-in-law. But she said, I can tell you where you might go to find some answers. She said they have some, some meetings, and she gave me a schedule, and there were, you know, noon meetings. At that time, the noon meetings were at Club 12, and they met um, every weekday, just like they do now, and uh, they started at 12 o'clock. And I don't like to be late for things. I like to be on time. But, you know, I was scared. And, and the other thing, she did not go with me. I, you know, she encouraged me to go by myself. And I went to my first uh, meeting. I, a lot of people say they can remember everything that happened at their first meeting. I don't have a clue what happened at my first, you know, hundred meetings probably. Because I went every day at noon to those meetings um, I would get, I always got there early, but I would sit in the car until it was exactly 12 o'clock and I would go in and I would sit very close to the door and as soon as the, the prayer, before the prayer even really probably ended, I mean, I was gone. I was out of there. And, you know, um, I think I probably, as they would go around and in, introduce themselves, I would say, you know, I was Carol, but that was about the only thing I ever said. I thought for a lot of years that that was wasted time, but it really wasn't. It was exactly what I needed. Um, 
I listened. And my, my ODAP book, there's all kinds of things written in the front and the back and in the margins and everything because I wrote all of these things that, that you know, we still say today, you know, keep coming back and, and you know, uh, just all of these little cliches that, you know, uh, sound so silly in the beginning, but they are really a lifeline for us. And I, after a couple of years, I started branching out and going to a few other meetings. Uh, this meeting is one of the first ones that I went to, and it didn't meet here. At the time I started going to it, it met over on O'Neill, at a church over on O'Neill. And um, I went to it for, for a long time. And then, you know, I hadn't gotten the answers. I mean, I came in there with, with questions, but I really was too afraid to ask the questions. You know, the question that I wanted was, what can I tell my daughter-in-law? What can I do about my son's drinking? But his drinking really wasn't bothering me. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't having a problem with it. He wasn't, uh, you know, he, he functioned. I mean, he was, was one of the, the, the <clears throat> his drinking never caused, as far as I know, he never got a DWI, he never got arrested, he never, you know, he never had all of the problems that come with, with you know, someone's drinking at times. And I never called him, I, I have never called him an alcoholic, because he doesn't call himself an alcoholic. And I'm not sure today that, that he is an alcoholic. Um, you know, he doesn't drink today, and he's in, he's in recovery. He's not in AA, but he is in recovery. And um, so I have, I have never called him an alcoholic. But, you know, um, after I'd been going to the meetings for probably about five years, I, you know, I wasn't having any problems with anybody's drinking. And I thought I'd graduated. I thought everything was, you know, was fine. And I quit going to, to meetings. Um, I decided that, you know, I, it wasn't something that I needed to do anymore. <laughs> And my higher power decided that that wasn't a good idea. And so he blessed me with um, another alcoholic. And this, this one, I do call him an alcoholic because he called himself an alcoholic. He said that he was an alcoholic. And he was the, the, the type that, you know, we hear so much about in these rooms and that we're all familiar with. Uh, you know, he got lots of DWIs, he got, you know, in jail a lot, and he always brought his problems, you know, to us, and um, in the beginning, we did a lot of enabling, you know, I mean, even though I had been in the program, you know, for a while, and I started going back to the meetings, and at this point, I started listening in meetings, and I, I heard them talking about um, sponsors. And I decided that that was a good idea, maybe. And so, you know, I asked my friend that had sent me to Al-Anon in the beginning, I asked her if she would be my sponsor. And um, she said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. She says, well, hang on. for a ride. And it has been a ride. And it's, it's been a journey that is absolutely priceless. Um, 
if I had gotten, if someone had answered my questions in the beginning and, and fixed my problem and, and I had been gone, I would have missed so much. You know, the life I have today is just, it's, it's beyond my wildest dreams ever could have been. Um, but my, my youngest son, um, when I became aware of his um, problem, he was 15. And he, I later found out that he had been drinking since he was 11. And he not only drank, but he was, you know, into a lot of the other, other stuff, you know, also. Um, and as I said, you know, he always brought all of his problems, you know, to, to us. Uh, he went into treatment the first time when, um, I think he was 16 when he went into treatment the first time. And he always did fantastic when he went to, to treatment. I mean, he would go the 28 days and, I mean, he, he got it. You know, he, he understood that he was an alcoholic and that, you know, what he needed to do. Um, but when he would get out of treatment, um, it would last for a short period of time. But he never was able to um, go to AA and surrender and do the things that, that alcoholics need to do. Uh, he always went back to the same people that, you know, he had... Um, been with before when when he and he would always say that you know he was he was trying to help them and I think I think honestly he really was you know but this is a powerful disease and you know unless the alcoholic is very strong in their program they can't you know they can't give away what they don't have and um, he really um, he would go to treatment, and then he would get out and, and start all over. Um, and, and I didn't write these dates down. I wish I had. Uh, not that it makes that much difference, but, you know, I think it was um, about two months. So it was probably September. He went to a treatment center, and... We really, really were very, very hopeful because he he spent the 28 days there, and when he came back, he really was. I have never he was a, he was different, you know. He really wanted sobriety, and he wanted um, to not drink and not use, and he was living with us and. He um, he had a job. He always, when he worked, I mean, he was a fantastic worker. He uh, every person he ever worked for, they always, you know, uh, just were amazed at, at you know how he the the good job that he did. And you know, he had um, he had someone that um, picked him up every. Um, every morning and took him to work and he would get up and he would sit out on the patio while he was waiting for them and he would have his big book and he would be reading his big book and you could just see the determination on his face that he was gonna you know he was gonna make it that day 
And then at night when he would come dragging in, you could tell that, you know, he, he hadn't he hadn't succeeded. That, you know, um, he hadn't hadn't made it. And it was almost exactly six weeks after he got out of the treatment center. Um, and we got, um, well, we didn't get the phone call because at this point, um, we, we had it, my husband and I both had enough recovery that we were taking care of ourselves. And when we would go to bed at night, um, you know, the only phone in the house that had a ringer was in his bedroom because when we would go to bed at night, we, we wanted to get, you know, a good night's sleep. And I did, I no longer stood at the windows and wondered. I no longer, you know, tried to figure out where he was or what he was doing or anything. And so when they had tried to call, he, he had a wreck and um, he was killed. And when they tried to call us, um, we didn't hear the phone call. And it was like 4 o'clock in the morning when they uh, knocked on the door. And, you know, I am a very light sleeper usually. But, you know, I did not hear any, any of this. My husband heard them, um, you know, knocking on the door. And he had gone downstairs, and I heard voices is what woke me up. And I went downstairs, and it was the, um, you know, police, and, and they were notifying us that, that, you know, he had been killed. And, you know, if it had not been for this program, I really don't think that that's something I would have lived through. But that's the thing I had learned from all the time in this program, that, um, I was going to be okay. I knew that without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to be okay. I knew there was going to be a lot of pain and that there was a lot of things that, that I was going to have to um, go through to be okay. But I knew that I was going to be okay. Um, <coughs> my sponsor had moved... Um, she no longer lived here in Baton Rouge, but she was the first person that I called. And, you know, it never occurred to me that it was 4 o'clock in the morning and that I shouldn't, you know, that I shouldn't call. I knew she was the first person that I needed to call. And, um, because I even waited until I think it was probably 5.30 or 6 before I called my sister and told her and, and you know, my mom. Um, but by 7 o'clock, my house was full of people that were doing anything that, that was necessary. They, um, you know, I was, I have never, I have never been a very good housekeeper, and I used to beat myself up for that. I used to think that that was not, that was a character defect, but, um, I wasn't. And there were people that were there. They knew that, you know, my, my mom was going to be coming in, and they knew that um, that was something that, that I would want. And there were people there that were cleaning my house, that were, you know, there were people bringing food. Um, it was a Saturday morning, and 
at 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings, we always went to the Al-Anon meeting at the office. And at 9 o'clock that Saturday morning, we were at the meeting, you know, at the office. And it was, it was a very difficult time. It really was. Uh, I never... I had begun to experience, I guess that's something I, I forgot to mention early on when I was talking about going to those meetings all that time that I thought I was wasting. What was really happening was over the years of living um, the way I had, my feelings were so stuffed down that, you know, I didn't know feelings. I didn't know, you know, I knew anger. You know, but I really didn't, I couldn't tell you how I was feeling or what was going on with me. And after having worked the steps and, um, you know, being in this program, I had, those feelings had thought out. And, you know, I, I knew feelings. I just didn't know exactly what to do with them sometimes. And, you know, there were, there were a lot of days that, um, you know, um, they were not pretty days. Uh, I can remember one day in particular, and um, my son was, was cremated, and um, his ashes are buried in Alabama, where my, my mom and my sister live. And we had been back to um, Alabama, and while we were there, um, they had gotten the stuff engraved on the on the monument on the marker and all that stuff and we had gone by and you know seen it and I did really well you know I cried a little bit but I did really well and you know um, even when I when we left and, and started coming home um, you know it, it really wasn't that bad but when I woke up the next morning I could in the beginning I couldn't really identify what feeling I was feeling but I just knew that there was something that was going on. I just, it just, I wasn't, things just weren't right. And um, for the ones of you that don't know my husband, this is not going to be a really good story. But for the ones of you that do, um, I tried all day long to pick a fight with him. I wanted to fight. I, I finally, I finally identified that it was anger. And, you know, um... I made some of the most terrible, horrible statements to him, and he just totally ignored it. You know, when it would get to be when it would get to be too bad, he'd go to the, the store, or uh, I don't even know where he went several times, but <laughs> he would just leave. <laughs> and <laughs> towards the end of the afternoon, he. Um, I had, had said some things that he was getting ready to leave, and he said, you know, you might want to consider calling your sponsor, and I had some choice words to tell him about that, because, you know, the thing was, I knew if I called my sponsor, I had known this all day long, I knew if I called my sponsor, and at that point, there were a lot of people that I could have called, and they would have, you know, been more than glad to help me through, but... The truth is, that's what I needed to do. I needed to feel the, those feelings. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's exactly what I was doing. I was feeling that anger. I was 
uh, I was crying. I mean, I cried off and on all day long. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what I realized was that what had happened was that morning when I woke up, it was the final, you know, the final thing. I realized that I had been there and I had seen that date and, you know, that the writing on that, that, that marker. And I knew that it was real. And, you know, I was angry and I was sad. And, you know, um, that is something I wouldn't have known how to handle had it not been for this program. You know, um, later that evening, I did call my sponsor, and we talked about it, and we, you know, we, we worked through some of the, the leftover residue of the feelings of that day. And, you know, the next morning when I woke up, it was a totally different uh, experience because um, I had felt that feeling, and I realized that, I might have to feel anger, I might have to feel sadness again, but I would never have to feel that particular feeling again because I had felt it, I had experienced it. And I can't tell you how long, I mean, and it's still, it's like talking about it now. It's emotional, but I do realize that... Um, my son is where he needs to be. Um, I had absolutely, you know, um, as we say in the program, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't cause it. I didn't cause his death. You know, uh, I couldn't have controlled his death, and I sure couldn't, have, you know, couldn't have cured it. I, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with it. There was nothing that I could do that would have prevented it, and. Um, you know, it, it was it was the way it was supposed to be. He was in control of his life. And, you know, because of this program, and this is going to be a very emotional one too, because of this program, <coughs> the last words that I heard from my son were, I love you. And if it had not been for this program, that is definitely not the last words I would have heard. Because I knew... That whole week, I knew that he was back using again. And, you know, in the past, before this program, I would have been arguing with him. We would have been fighting. It would have been a horrible week. And as it was, you know, I, I, I left him alone. You know, I, we talked. He and I talked several times. He went to several AA meetings during that week. But, you know, as I said, he, he just could not totally, you know, surrender to that program. And because of, of the work that I had done in this program, you know, he called me before he, you know, before I went to bed that night. He called and was, you know, was talking to me. And as we hung up, and that's one of the things that we always did, you know. He said, I love you, and I said, I love you. And so that was the last words that I heard. But had it not been for this program, that would not have happened. Um, after, after his death, um, you know, this program is a program that I will never graduate from, you know. 
I am still today growing in this program. Um, you know, I did a lot of growing after his death. Um, I did a lot of work. Uh, I realized uh, a lot of things. Um, I have, in the beginning, I used to say that it was working the steps. And I didn't, I, I still say that at times, but I really don't like that term because to me, it's not working the steps anymore. It's, it's a way of life. Um, when things come up in my life today, I immediately go to, you know, step one. I'm powerless over it. And if, you know, if I choose to, and I still today, I still every now and then, you know, I choose to, to obsess on things. And, you know, my higher power will leave it with me as long as I want to obsess on it. But, you know, there's another part of step one. And the longer I obsess on it, the more unmanageable my life becomes. And um, when I have obsessed on it as long as I want to, and, and as I said, sometimes it's, it's a short period of time, and sometimes it's a long time. But when I get tired of obsessing on it, I know what to do with the rest of it. I know that there's step two, and that I have a higher power. And that if I give it to my higher power, that, you know, he's going to be able to restore me to sanity, and he's going to give me the answers uh, to, to solve the problem, whatever it is. And then I go to step four, and I figure out what, you know, what, what is my part in it? What, you know, what can I do to change things? What do I need to change things? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. Uh, a lot of times what I need to change is my attitude. You know, sometimes I just have a, a rotten <coughs> attitude about things. Um, <coughs> and then, you know, I move on down the steps. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I've, I've done things that, you know, I need to make amends for. And sometimes I haven't. Most of the time I haven't anymore because I've learned that making amends is not one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the steps. And, you know, there are a lot of times that, you know, there will be something that's going on, and it's like, you know, I know. I do not want to say something because I don't want to have to go back and make amends for it. <laughs> and so, you know, um, I, I, I don't say things sometimes because of that. Um... This is the hard part. After, um, I had tried for, for many years um, to get my husband really into this program. Um, he came also for quite a while, and he went to one meeting a week, and he didn't share. And as he shared, as she, as he shared in meetings, he listened selectively to certain people in the meeting. Um, but you know that that was the best he could do at the at the time. And um, after my son's death, um, he found one of um, 
he picked up one of my son's big books because he had several. That was one thing as many times as he had been in treatment. He had he had lots of big books. And so I have lots of big books at my house. <laughs> and um, he picked up um, one of my son's big books and started reading it. And I don't, ex I don't really know how he found out about the Joe and Charlie um, big book study tapes. But he started listening to those. And I think he totally wore out one set. I mean, he listened to them constantly. And when he was reading the big book, he found himself in there. He learned how to substitute thinking for drinking. And he learned, um, you know, that, that he needed to, to do more in the program. And that he was going to have to do, as he, as he said, he was going to have to do a fourth step. And in order to do, when he did the fourth step, then he was going to have to move to the fifth step. And that was going to mean that he was going to have to get a sponsor. <laughs> and so um, he had picked out someone to be his sponsor. And they had started talking, but they hadn't started, really started working the steps. And his sponsor um, got cancer. And he was not with us too much longer after that. And that was a very hard thing for all of us when, when he lost him. And it wasn't too long after that, though, that he um, found the person that was going to be his, his sponsor. And he was the perfect uh, match for my husband. Um, they... Um, they had many, many, many discussions uh, <laughs> about things. Uh, they talked long hours, long lunches, working through things. And all of a sudden, he just bloomed. I mean, you know, he started going to... He was retired, and I had gone back to work, and... I mean, he was going to the noon meetings every day. He was going, I, he went to three times more meetings than I did, and I would sit in the meetings that, that I went to with him, and I would just be in awe at the things that, that he said. Uh, you know, he had a very strong recovery. Um, and we had, um, we had a really good life. Um, in 2004, his health, um, we started having problems with his health, and um, I decided to retire, and um, that was a really hard time for us. Um, he had uh, congestive heart failure, and he had several very, very close calls in about three years there. And we finally got that under control, and he had several good years. He had a couple of years that were really good. We did a lot of traveling. Um, we made a lot of uh, Al-Anon meetings together. Uh, at, at one point when I was early on, when I was trying to convince him that, you know, he needed to go to a program, and I, I couldn't get him to go to, to Al-Anon. He didn't seem to think he needed Al-Anon. 
And so I decided that, well, maybe he would be an alcoholic. Maybe he could be an alcoholic. And I tried really hard to make him an alcoholic, but, you know, he just wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> and my, my vision was that he was going to be an alcoholic and he would get, go to AA and he would, you know, be in AA and I would be in Al-Anon and we could go to all these conventions and, and just have this wonderful life. And, you know, it, it's, it was so funny because in the end, that's what it was. We, we went to a lot of conventions. We went to a lot of meetings. And we had, you know, a wonderful recovery, uh, you know, marriage. Uh, he, um, um, you know, um, was just very active in the program. He just wasn't an alcoholic. That was it. it we, were, we, were two, we were two Al-Anons in, in, in recovery. And... Um, I had another experience with with death, I guess, as most of you has have realized. And, you know, again, because of this program, you know, I made one phone call um, on this morning. And, again, I was surrounded by love and people that walked me through everything that, you know, I needed to go through. Um, one of the things that has made it easier accepting his death and moving on with my life is I have had so many of you all who are grieving him also and who have gone through the grief with me. And as I said earlier, you know, I have a life today that is just absolutely amazing. You know, um, I am, am retired. I thought, I thought here not too long ago, um, well, at the end of last year, I was beginning to get a little bored, and I was thinking that I might possibly go back to work. And... Um, my higher power seemed to work that problem out for me. Uh, my sister had um, some eye surgery, and I went to um, to help her with her after her surgery. Uh, for about six weeks, she wasn't able to see out of one one eye, and so I was with her constantly for six weeks and that meant that I had to get up early every morning and get ready to go to work and drive her to work and I stayed with her at work because there were things that you know she couldn't do and that she needed some you know help with and you know I would go to lunch with her and I would work in the afternoon and I would come home in the evenings and so I decided that I didn't think I wanted to go back to work. <laughs> that work wasn't all it was cut out to be. <laughs> that, you know, if you didn't have to get up so early in the morning and fight traffic and all of this kind of stuff, it, it wouldn't be so bad. But um, maybe I didn't want to go back to work. And, you know, today I, I just I do what I want to all the time. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, you know, I go to a lot of meetings, and that that is something I would never have 
in the beginning, I would never have believed because I was one of those that, you know, I have to go to this meeting tonight, you know. And today, I, I choose to go. I go to a noon meeting almost every day, you know. I go to, there's a lot of days that I go to two meetings a day. And it's because I need to, because I want to, I want to see all of the people, the friends that I have made in these rooms, all of you, they're here tonight, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's a really great life, um, I am still growing. My higher power, I've been telling some, some friends of mine that, because um, my sponsor is out of pocket right now, she is having a family crisis of her own, and so, you know, I have lots of you in these rooms that, that know the real me today. That is something that before this program, you know, I didn't know the real me, and there was definitely nobody out there outside of my house that knew the real me because I was such a people pleaser that, you know, whoever I was with, that's how I was. Whatever you believed, I believed. And, you know, um, that's the way I acted. But today, I have a lot of people that know the real me. And one of the things that, you know, I've been talking about is, you know, I'm, I'm on a growing spurt. My higher power has me on a, on a growing spurt. Uh, you know, I am, am learning how much I depended on my husband, you know, to do so many things that um, I am experiencing a lot of those those things today. And some of them I am doing it like the little two-year-old. I'm kicking and screaming and, and fighting that, you know, I don't want to do this today. But, you know, um, I have a lot of y'all that are helping me through it. Through it. Um, you know, uh, I am realizing that, you know, I am capable of doing all these things that, you know, and, and the thing that is, is so funny to me is that if I had wanted to do any of these things, as long as my husband was here, he would have been my strongest, you know, encourager. He would have been, you know, my biggest support in doing all these things. But it's things that as long as he was, was here... I would never have considered doing. Uh, you know, I just relied on him to, to do it. You know, uh, money scared me other than spending spending it. You know? <laughs> I, I, can, I, can spend, I can spend it real real easy. But, you know, the other part just, you know, I didn't want any part of that. I And I always said, I can't understand that. I don't understand that, you know. And, and I, I, can't, I don't understand all those numbers, you know. And... I was a good manipulator, and I manipulated people into taking care of me. And, you know, I'm learning. That's, that's a lesson that, you know, my higher power is showing me, you know, today, is that, you know, I am into some manipulation again. And, you know, my oldest son, I don't know if he realizes it or not, but he said one of the, the, the these priceless things to me the other day. We were trying to fill out some some paperwork, and, you know, I didn't realize it, I think, when it was coming out of my mouth, but I did very soon after. I was trying to manipulate him. I was trying to get him to, to do it for me. And, you know, he has enough recovery, and I, I don't know if he realized that's what I was trying to do or not, but he just looked at me. I said, I, said, I can't. I don't know the answer to that. And he said, yes, you do. 
just think about it. <laughs> and I realized, you know, a little bit later that, you know, yeah, I do know the answer to the question. And, you know, all I have to do is think about it for a minute and put it down on the piece of paper. But, you know, if I can get somebody else to do it for me, that's, that's what, you know, I want somebody to do it for me. I just want to do the, the fun stuff. And, you know, I don't want to do the, the, the other part. But, you know, that's a part of life. And that's a part of being a big girl. And I'm a big girl today. Uh, you know, when I came in this program, I was definitely not a big girl. Um, I had had something very traumatic that happened to me as a child. And, you know, I realized that when I came into adulthood, I brought that little girl that she was the one that was trying to function in an adult world. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I was always so fearful and so fear-based is because I was looking, looking at the world through a little kid's eyes. And um, as much as I, you know, want to kick and scream and throw my temper tantrums sometimes, you know, I realize today that I am an adult and that I do know how to do things. And that is what I have gotten from this program. And if I had gotten the answer that I was looking for, if I had had enough courage to ask that question, how do I get my son to quit drinking, if, the, if I could have ever gotten that sentence out at my first meetings, and if someone had given me the answer to that, I would have gone away, and I would have missed so much. You know, um, there's been a lot of hard work. In working these steps there it is and you know um, a friend of mine was telling me here a few weeks ago that she had um, started answering the questions in the I don't even know what it's called the, 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 the blueprint for progress and you know I thought you know I never I never did that you know that was one of the attempts that I made at doing my first fourth step was that, and I decided that I didn't like it. And, you know, I've picked it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm realizing that, you know, if I think about it for a minute, I know the answer to the question, and I can answer those questions. And so I'm doing another fourth step, you know, um, and I'm learning some things about myself, some things that, you know, after all these years in this program, I still don't know. So, you know... Um, until they carry me away, <laughs> I will be in these rooms. <laughs> and I just thank all of you for being here tonight. It is just absolutely overwhelming that there's so many of you here. And that there's so many of you that, you know, I know personally, just the way you know me. And it's a wonderful thing. So thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you.